All right. Welcome back. Episode 18 of the Apps and Asphalt Podcast. We got Mr. Zachy. What's up, guys? We got yours truly, Mr. Hayden. Um, so today we're going to dive into a topic. I don't know if you guys have seen the news lately, but uh, Silicon Valley Bank just essentially collapsed. I'm going to give you guys kind of a brief synopsis for those of you who don't know. Um, for us, like in the tech industry, for Spawnsite particularly, it kind of affects us a lot. Not necessarily directly, but our industry. Um, but I think the message that we want to give more than just the tech industry being affected is nobody is coming to save you. Nobody. Nobody. So we're going to dive into that and kind of tie it in later some some way, somehow. Um, so I'll give you guys kind of a brief synopsis. So last week, um, Silicon Valley Bank announced that they were, they had a loss on their, um, like I think some of their bond investments or something like that. So when they announced it, this caused a panic for their investors. So a lot of them started pulling out money and pulling out their investments, um, which triggered a drop in their stock, which then compounded to what's called a bank run. So this means that essentially a shitload of people went straight to the bank to pull out all the money they could and just compound and compound until eventually... um, it collapsed. And so the FDIC had to come in and actually take over the bank. Uh, so in the tech industry, Silicon Valley bank actually funds like, I think over 50% of venture capitalist funded tech companies, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for us, we're bootstrapped, you know, we have, we ourselves are essentially funding this, but for companies that went out and sought venture capitalist investment, 50% of those that's of those companies that got those are tech companies funded by Silicon Valley Bank. Wow. So these guys, these owners of these companies were like, holy shit, I'm going to have to like lay off a whole bunch of people because um, all, all their money that was insured up to that point, I think they actually corrected it or gave them a relief program was only 250,000. So some of like the big companies that were in there, I can't remember their names, but companies you guys have probably heard of, uh, like Shopify, huge e-commerce company. Wow. They're with them. They're with Silicon Valley bank. So those guys, those companies that have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds of employees, they were saying like, if you could only pull out 250,000, that could maybe float them for like a week just for overhead expenses. But other than that, they didn't have access to their money. There was nothing else they could do. So some of these guys were debating on what to do. So, um, you know, this is going to open the door a lot for, I think it's going to definitely shut the doors down for a lot of tech companies, a lot of the small ones, especially. Uh, But it leaves opportunity for some of us to come in there and make a disruption as well. Um, obviously we do feel for all the people that were affected by it. Cause in any industry, that's, that's a horrible thing to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. um, bottom line though, the banks, everything that goes on in the news, you name it, uh, political issues, whoever's president, if COVID's real or not, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Nobody's coming to save you. So it's best to focus on what you guys are doing, what your mission is, what your path is. 
and make it happen for yourselves. So yeah, yeah, you're responsible for your ecosystem. Yeah. So you have a pretty crazy story about this and like you've been from the bottom, bottom, now you're up on the top, even though I know you wouldn't ever claim that because you're always going to want to keep pushing that, but like you've done rags to riches and you've been in places that people don't want to be in yeah, or would never dream of and you've been able to dig yourself out. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Thanks for, for bringing up a nightmare, Hayden. I really appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> and we can, uh, we can revisit some other fun stuff <laughs> yeah, later too. We no, will. I'm just kidding. Um, in all reality, we put this type of stuff out there so people can learn from our instances, positions that we've been in and hopefully be able to uh, navigate around them. You know, they say everyone needs to learn through trial and tribulation. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I think that we've got all these great stories and these things that occur within our lives for a reason. Yeah. And I think that there are definitely ways to teach other people um, and a way to pay it forward at times as well. So uh, when I was 16, my parents helped me start a striping company. Uh, they basically like, hey, you're not sitting on the couch. We need you up and moving. So long story short, I got trained and learned how to do parking lot striping at a pretty young age. Uh, that business was really, really cool. I was bringing friends along to paint with me after schools and on the weekends and paying them cash. And so it was a quick way for them to make money. In turn, I was making a lot of money for my age at the time. What was your high school car? So I had a, <laughs> I had a brand new Jetta. It was like white Jetta. And then I had these white rims because I was, it's the Fast and the Furious days. Oh yeah. yeah, so yeah. I got these white rims on it. It was a white Jetta, white rims. <laughs> and then I ended up buying a, a Dodge Durango. And then I ended up buying a, a Lincoln Aviator. Did you really? I did, dude. Throw some 22s on it. 22s, baby. <laughs> you already know that. Driving around, pulling up to a parking lot on 22 inch rims. <laughs> Not even striping trailer. With the striping trailer. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh man, you guys are getting the down and dirty on this yeah. one. Um so yeah, same old Zach. I'm I'm same same type of guy for the most part. Um certainly enjoy the luxuries, um but they don't always come for free and they can always come at a price too. So with that being said, uh you know, I turned 18, thought I was doing really good. I told my parents that I was going to move to Greeley, uh, which was an adjacent city to the area that we were running our family business out of at the time. So I was still driving up and doing the parking lot striping, but instead of running their asphalt crews at that time, I jumped off and I jumped into doing my own asphalt work. I was subcontracting them all the patching and I was doing the crack fill striping at the time because Mm. I didn't have the capital to get into uh, patching. So... I did that. I met my kid's mom and we were off to the races. I thought I was, you know, the world was my oyster and I was moving. This was around 2007 or so. The company was called Ace Coatings and Asphalt. And um, it's crazy, man. I can remember like how it started, how it, everything. We had one of the first companies in the area to have a really nice website. You know, we took our time and did things right. But, uh, as, and, and things grew, you know, the first year, I think we did like 350, 400,000. The next year, I think we did rounding out closer to a half a million. What happened during that time is we start transitioning to the 809 stuff where things start getting a little crazy. 
similarly to how they are right now. What's the 809 stuff? The 2008, 2009. Oh, oh. And so sorry. we, that's when the, you're probably still running around. Dude, I, yeah. I don't know what you were doing at that day. I was uh, probably a middle schooler with some bad acne. Okay. Right <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, probably 21 with a, with a terrible fade <laughs> running around striped parking lots out of, out of a Lincoln aviator. No. Um, in all reality, we had a, we had a pretty nice little company that we were building at the time. Um, I got a little free in, in spending during that time. And then also along the way, I picked up one of our biggest projects up to date. I'll never forget it. I'm so glad I get to call it out now. Um, gentleman by the name of Mike Rashidi. He was with Penta Hospitality. So he had a bunch of these hotel um, hotels from Greeley up to Denver, Fort Collins. And he flew in to meet with me on the parking lots that I had given him a proposal on. And I talked to him. I was like, hey, listen, you know, they had this deadline of when they needed to get all this work done and completed. I said that I needed to get a deposit on the work. It was kind of how we were operating at the time. And he said, you know, we don't do deposits, but we'll make sure we pay you quickly. And we're heading into, we're heading into, uh, fall by this point. So it's probably, I want to say like late August, early, late, late August, I would say. And we end up completing all of the work that they have, biggest contract that I have to date. And pretty soon all the phone calls stop getting answered emails stop getting returned nobody can get a hold of anyone from their accounting department uh and what was happening and what i didn't realize at the time is they were teeing these hotels up to actually be sold so mm. they um they were either being sold or quick sold something was going on long story short i never got paid on them i Never got paid on any on a piece of work that we did. Not how big was that? How big were those jobs? We were, to be honest with you, we were probably nearing a hundred thousand dollars. I think it was around the. It was the biggest contract that I had had. So yeah, a quarter of your revenue. Yeah, you know. And so, what that did is it basically shook me to the core. Uh, I couldn't make my payments. I couldn't make my payments to the bank. Couldn't make my line of credit payments. Going in through wintertime, took all my resources up. I had, I had a little bit of money left and tried to keep the business floating with it. But getting through wintertime and then back into springtime was even more clunky than it was before. So it, it ended up ultimately having me file bankruptcy. So there was nobody there to save me. Not my mom, not my dad. Not that they couldn't have, not that they wouldn't. But we're also to the point now where... You know, I'm an adult. I, I need to be able to do some of this stuff on my own without being saved. And so I've been to the bottom, you know, the very, very, very bottom. Yeah, that's crazy. Hey there, Blacktop Banner fans. This is Hayden. I am the co-founder of Spot On Sight, a mobile app that's going to help you guys scope jobs faster, win more work, and communicate seamlessly with your customers and with your team. Uh, we're asphalt contractors ourselves. We run an asphalt paving company based out of Denver, Colorado. So we built this mobile app to help you guys out to ensure that you guys are no longer losing work because of poor proposal presentation, 
and you're no longer losing money because of inefficiencies and punch list items and all the headaches that we go through as contractors. So check us out. We have a free 14-day trial on spotonsiteapp.com. You guys can try it out, and we'd love for you guys to get started. We know this is a game-changing app that will help you measure and mark your locations and your parking lots, document using time-stamped photos, videos, and comments, and send professional-looking reports to your customers. Check us out, spotonsiteapp.com. How do so you hit the bottom? How'd you start digging yourself back up? What was what was the other side of that that story? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. To skip through some of the clunkiness there for like the next year or so. Basically I kept trying to work my company through deposits and, and just cash flow was it just wasn't working. I had employees that were living with me. It was a disaster. It was not a very fun time at all. The way I picked myself up and started digging myself out was ended up taking a position with a company. Luckily, it was with a larger company that had acquired my my mom and dad's business. I ended up kind of just letting things go by the wayside, filed bankruptcy. It's like, look, I'm going to just start over. I don't need to have everything, but I need to focus in on one thing. And the I ended up just going in and taking a regional sales and estimating position. And that was incredible. And like from there, I was able to start taking baby steps again, start regaining some confidence because you lose everything at that point when you're just deflated. Yeah. You know, you don't feel like your worth is there. You don't know if you believe in yourself anymore. You don't know if other people believe in you. And really, you know, it it gets to the point where you got to start to get a little fire back in you somewhere, shape or form. And, you know, I I heard some of the stuff, some of the remarks that were made about me. And you kind of hang on to those. At least I did. And I'm like, you know what? I can turn this around. Like, I know I can turn this around. Maybe it's not owning a business, but I'm going to be the best salesman around here. I'm going to kill it. And I did. You know, we, we went through, I sold... I go the first million, sell one million, sold two million the first year. Second year, sell two million. I sell I, I sold four million. So it was a really quick way to like just gain traction. Yeah, get back up to speed and, and gain you know those little wins again. So. Yeah, I mean that's a great lesson for everybody. Like when your back's against the wall and like you just kick down and beat down, that's the time to either make a huge shift in your life, whether it's what you're doing, whether it's a new opportunity, whether it's your mindset to start building back up, man. There's so many people that I think get kicked down super low and they roll over and die. And that's when their life goes, goes to shit. They start losing their family, their kids, they start abusing substances. I mean, things that you can easily turn into because you acquire and obtain the victim mentality is, is part of the norm nowadays versus, you know, fighting back against whatever you have, even the huge monster that you think is going to be the Goliath that you have to go fight. Yeah, It's, it's crazy that it's really just the decision you have to make, but you have to be okay with, I think the rebuilding of the process too, because that took you it wasn't instant that you got back no. up to where you're at. I mean, no, man, it, it takes, it takes time. It's like brick by brick along the way, essentially 
you have to put one foot in front of the next foot. I couldn't buy a house, so I had to go rent a place. And I had to find a place that I could rent that would allow somebody who just filed bankruptcy to rent from. Then from there, it's figuring out, okay, I literally went and traded a parking lot to get seal coated for a truck off of uh, Welby and over here in Thornton. And I remember that day, it was a like clunky f- old Ford, but it had a, w- a flatbed on it. And I traded because I needed one more work truck for the guys to get to where they needed to be. So I went and seal coated that with one other guy from my, from my team for it. And it was, it ended up working out. You know, you got to just, if you put the work in, God will meet you halfway, Yeah. but you got to put the work in. If you don't put the work in, you're, you're, you're wishing and hoping for a divine intervention that just doesn't come. Yeah. You know, we, we have to, we have to scratch claw do whatever it takes to get to the next area, the next section of your life. The next level. Yeah. And that's that's it for sure, man, is putting in the work. And there's there's ways, you know, when you start rolling, there's ways to work smarter and scale yourself and scale what you're doing. But the initial period of it is all the grind, bro. Like early on especially. You know, I I haven't had a, you know, a hard story necessarily like that. You know, but just in different positions in my life being, you know, the brokest I've ever been of transferring over my last hundred dollars in college and then having to live back with my parents. And so I'd go to pretty much drive an hour north to Greeley to finish to go to school, come back and I worked at Lifetime and I did that pretty much every day. So didn't you start tell me, sorry, didn't you say that you had to like pawn certain stuff too? Yeah, I went and when I had to transfer my last hundred dollars over, I went over to uh the Greeley Mall. It's funny how we're both up in Greeley and all I had to sell was my Xbox and all the games, which I wasn't even playing anyways, but so I went and sold that thinking I'd get a couple hundred bucks handing me $30. So I had now $130 to my name. And that was like by far the lowest point in my life. And so I swore after that day, I would never be that broke again. And, you know, that was my senior year in college. So that's quite a while ago. But from there, that's what I used when my back was against the wall Wow, and had to like get chopped down and have to go live with my parents again. And like, you know, it was really humbling early on from that experience, not, you know, there's plenty of people who had it worse, but my parents didn't come. Same thing that the, the only, they saved me by giving me a place to live, you know, yeah, bought the groceries or whatever, but they didn't give me money to go, you know, to float myself or to go dick around, do whatever. It was all, you know, you go get another job, man. And you start working your way back up and, you know, I know we're going to have trials and tribulations, especially me going into entrepreneurship. I think this full first full year has been nobody's coming to save you. And it's we set up these false expectations of how good something could go, especially when you're starting early on. It's like the initial excitement of what you have. Yeah. Because you don't know. It's You don't know if it's going to kick ass and take off to the moon right away. You don't know if it's going to flop. Yep. You don't know if it's going to slowly pick up steam. You have no clue. And so that's why new things are so fun and exciting. But when things really get hard, it's, it's hard to stay focused on that same task and that same 
um, that same focus and goal that you were on originally, even when it's not as exciting or fun and you're getting your ass kicked constantly. Yep. You're exactly right, man. It's, it's just like, uh, anything else in life. But if you continue to, to, to take one step in front of the next, in front of the next, pretty soon you look back and you're in a different place. Uh, just happens that way. You know, if you put the work in, you can look back and say, wow, I'm not there anymore. I'm, I'm actually over here. <laughs> and I come a really long way in a short amount of time. Full circle. Yeah. Seeing like turning back around sometimes and seeing where you came from is, is pretty cool. And it's, I'm like a horse. I talk about the horse blinders a lot because I like just like looking forward. But there is sometimes where you need to look back and see where you came from. Yeah, man. And be proud of that progress that you made. But, um, you know, when times get hard and shit hits the fan, it's it's nobody but you, man. So you got to figure it out. And there's ways you got to get creative in order to dig yourself out, like trading a truck for a seal coat job. That's crazy trading that, but it's like a old school bartering system and yeah, you had to do what you had to do, man. Yeah. And you know, these people that are going through like the Silicon Valley instance, like they're probably having sleepless nights trying to figure out ways to get creative, to keep their business afloat, to keep their employees paid and keep, keep stuff rolling. Cause no matter what happens, even the big recession that's coming, it doesn't matter the end of the day, like, no, there's nothing that we can do to stop it, prevent it, control it. You can set yourself up, prepare yourself for worst case scenario, but there's nothing in the big scale, big grand scheme of things that you can do to, to prevent it or avoid it. So, right. You know, make sure that try not to dwell on it too yeah, much. Try to, yeah. You know, don't focus on, you need to be aware of it. And I, you know, you certainly need to always be aware of your surroundings, what's around you, but you need to know what you're focused on, you know? Yeah. Keep going forward in that, in that direction. I think this message can really hit home to like our guys that are the owner operators. And I, I think more and more about them. And that's why we, why we dive into them a lot because they're at a point where, you know, they started their business, whatever, a couple years ago. And throughout this whole process, whether you're, you know, trying to hit your first 500K, your first million dollars, there is so much stuff that is going on that you're almost probably thinking like, what did I get myself into? Or you're hoping and praying and wishing for a break. For sure. For sure. I can empathize for any of you guys that are owner operators or you know, owner salesman, you've got, you got your crews working for you. I know what that's like. It's, it's very day to day. It's week to week and it is tough and it is a hard, hard thing to do. You gotta, you gotta just keep going every single day. I think if I could go back now and redo those, those sections of my life, I would do them differently with a different playbook, uh, because, of everything that I've been through now. I, I understand business to a different degree now. And sometimes I think people with a craft or a skill are thinking, I should do this for myself. Well, yes and no. I mean, there's an entrepreneurial mindset and then there's also the other side to it as well. So you got to, if you decide you gotta, you're got to, you going to go in with it, you got to figure out the business side along the way to be able to grow it. Otherwise, that business will run you and run you ragged. Yeah. 
I've been there. I've been there. I mean, it just, it, it feels like it is just completely overwhelming because you have so many hats to wear and there's not enough time in the day and you're only one person, but bottom line, you got yourself into it. So through enough hard work, enough persistence, you will be able to totally dig yourself out and you may not see the results whenever you want it to, or whenever you want the results to happen, but you'll have, you'll catch a break every now and then that will be able to propel you to the next level. And you'll be like, okay, that is the break that I needed. That is what I was looking for. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I've got a couple of cheat codes for you guys. Yeah. So speaking of, so this is a perfect segue as we wrap this up. We mentioned last episode that we've been working on something and our, our mission is really to give back to the asphalt contracting community because it's obviously opened a ton of doors from your dad starting this company to you to now spot on site. So it's given us a lot of, a lot of good things and opportunities. And so we want to give back in a very special way. And like you said, sometimes all you need is a playbook. So we're working on a program and this is only for asphalt business owners. If you own an asphalt maintenance company, if you do between 500,000 to $5 million in revenue, you are going to be a perfect fit for this. And we're going to teach you how to run your business like an eight figure business. So doing $10 million or more. And we're going to essentially show you how MPP has been able to do that. Like you mentioned earlier, you wish you had the knowledge to go back to where I was, where you, where you were you with the knowledge you have now, we want to help kind of expedite that process for you guys and start preparing yourself. And, you know, you're not going to guarantee, we're not guaranteeing that there'll be an eight figure business by the end of this year, but we can definitely help expedite it and set you set yourself up. So you guys are not playing reactive like we did and had to figure it out on your own. We want to get kind of pave the way for you guys. So, um, you guys can live better lives, actually spend time with your friends and family, not be stressed out of your mind and, uh, yeah, just enjoy the industry because it's given back, given us so much. I get it. Everybody in here in this industry is, has started into it for a reason. A lot of it is, you know, it could be money, wealth, freedom. It could be just the passion for the detail and the work. You know, I get it all. I've been there. I, I love it. You know, from striping to crackville seal coating to patching to paving to concrete. I love it. It's just part of who I am in my DNA. But to make that dream come to reality, you can either take the long way or you can take the short way. And there is no shortcut, but this is absolutely a shorter route. So there is, we're going to put together budgets, costing, crew costing, material, all the little things that I forgot as a young business owner, all of the things that we needed moving forward to, to really set us up to hit the next level in ownership and in management. So looking forward to sharing some of that stuff with you guys. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and uh, close us out because it looks like our camera died or something. So with that being said, we are uh, super fortunate to share this with you guys. We're going to wrap up and conclude the 18th episode of Absent Asphalt. Yeah. We'll see you guys soon. Stay tuned for 
that uh, the program that we're about to launch, and that's come. We're going to launch it on April first, or at least start marketing for it. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exclusive. Twenty companies only. So if you guys are interested, let us know for sure. All right. All right. Episode eighteen: Apps and Asphalt. Thank you, guys. Let's go.